I bring the prayers and greetings of the congregation in Brassy Ferry. And I should say that it is a particular personal delight to be with you here this morning. The very first time I came to preach, I was turned away at the door. Um, it's probably not something to put on your resume. The second time I came to preach, only the tech team turned up. And so finally, there are people in front of me. And it is wonderful to be with you all. If you could, if you've closed your Bibles, could you open up back again to John chapter 10, those verses we read earlier on, verses 11, verses 10 to 18, that is where we are going to root ourselves this morning. Let me pray as we ask for God's help to open up his word for us. God our Father, your word is more precious than gold or silver. It is sweeter to the tongue than honey. It is a lamp which illuminates the ways into which you have called us. We pray that your spirit would speak clearly to us, confronting us in our sins, comforting us in our sorrows, and equipping us to live lives which are pleasing in your sight. So we pray, Lord, that not not only would the words of my mouth, but the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. We pray this in Jesus' most holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. I suppose I want to begin this morning and just ask you, how do you view Jesus? Or maybe, what was your view of Jesus growing up? From my experience, there seems to be two kind of extremes. Uh, For me, the picture of Jesus was somebody who fit in in a 70s hippie commune with hair that looked like it would fit in a L'Oreal adverse, sitting on a grass mound holding a little lamb that looked like a cloud. It was all lovey-dovey, do what you want, your grace as you are. But I think for other people... The Jesus that they might have grown up with was quite a disapproving Lord, one who tutted at every one of your mistakes. I think this passage that we're going to be looking at together this morning is particularly helpful because it presents a much more compelling, captivating, and beautiful picture of who Jesus is. You see, Jesus as shepherd is the one who is tough and tender, who is loving towards those who are unlovable, yet seeks to bring about justice against those who carry out corrupt crimes, people who abuse and abandon others. You see, the language of shepherding It speaks of tending, caring, feeding, guiding, guarding, protecting. It speaks of someone not far away sending messages through multiple middlemen, but of someone there right in the middle of the flock, in the hills and the fields with sheep. You see, shepherding is both a high and a low calling, both exalted and humbling. There is much responsibility, but it is not a glamorous job. It is a role where the shepherd must put aside their self-interest for the good and health of the flock at hand. 
Uh, I've got two big points that we're going to work our way through this morning, through this passage, and I'm going to do them as sentences, maybe the kind of big takeaway application points. Uh, And the first one is this, see the shepherd who lays down his life for his abandoned sheep. See the shepherd who lays down his life for his abandoned sheep. Uh, On the 8th of August in 1880, uh, Captain Joseph Clark and around a dozen or more of his crew were found and rescued as they were in their boat. They told the story of how the ship they were on, the SS Jeddah, had sunk and over a thousand people had died as it went to the bottom of the ocean floor. This was a wonderful story of how these men and the captain's wife were rescued. But then on the 11th of August, the SS Jeddah pulled into port. And apart from maybe 12 or so people, everyone had survived. You see, what had happened was on the 7th of August, late in the night, this boat had got into great trouble in these, storm, in these great storms. It was taking on water. And the captain and a group of his officers decided they were going to abandon ship and leave everyone on, all the pilgrims who were on board, to drown as they saved themselves. And they made up a story about what had happened. But here they were exposed. Clark and the officers, they had abdicated their position and their responsibilities and they had abandoned the people who they were called to bring across the waters safely. And I think this is a helpful way to bring us into maybe the emotion that we get to in this passage. What's prompted Jesus here to speak of himself as the good shepherd? What's prompted Jesus here to speak of the religious leaders, those he's talking to, talk of them as hired hands who run away, as thieves who kill, kill, steal, and destroy? Uh, We're coming up here after chapter 9, and in chapter 9, we come to the literally miraculous story of how Jesus has healed this blind man, a man blind from birth. But when he went to the temple... And the Pharisees, those were the religious leaders, the religious elite of his day. When they saw him, asked him what had happened, he said it was Jesus. And they wanted to know who he was. The Pharisees disliked Jesus for numerous reasons. But when the blind, formerly blind man, now the man that could see, when he said to the Pharisees that the man who healed him must be one sent by God, the Pharisees then cast him out of the temple. He was kicked out. He was expelled. The temple was the center of the religious life of the people. It is where the promise of God dwelling amongst his people, where his presence was meant to be. And here they were saying, you are not worthy to be part of this. And they kicked him out. And Jesus here speaking about himself being the good shepherd and these men being the hired hands is on the back of that moment. And so here then Jesus is 
castigating these religious elites using this imagery of a shepherd. That's what he says there. That's why he says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the people. Uh, Throughout the Bible, in the Old Testament, leaders of nations were spoken of using the language and imagery of a shepherd. Even when we sung Psalm 100 at the beginning of this service, you'll notice that God is spoken of as one who looks after his flock. Those who were in positions of authority were spoken of as shepherds. And the three duties of a shepherd, the three duties of the shepherd were to protect to provide and to guide God's people, to feed, lead, and protect. You might put it another way. But have a look with me at verses 12 and 13 in your Bibles. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And look at this, verse 13. He, that is the hired hand, flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus here says that the hired hand is merely a deterrent and when really threatened will protect his own life and not the sheep because he does not care for them because they don't belong to him. Jesus is saying that they do not truly care for God's people. That when their own comfort and their own self-interest are threatened, when under pressure, they, they crumble and they will not sacrifice their lives for the good of those that they are meant to be caring for. Uh, The language here is very similar to that first reading we had this morning from Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel was a prophet at the time of the great exile of the people of Israel. Israel, their home in Jerusalem, the temple as we said earlier on, the place of the presence of God, because of repeated sin and idolatry, were put into exile And this was the time when Ezekiel was bringing this particular word to to Israel. And his focus in that first passage was to the leaders, to the shepherds. There he spoke about them, how they cared only for themselves. How their actions had caused the exile of the people into a foreign land. The people were cast out of Jerusalem because of their sin. And here we see the religious leaders that Jesus is speaking to have cast out a man who had been healed by Jesus, have exiled him. And Jesus is saying, you are those people that this prophetic word was speaking towards. You are those people who have abused your position and abandoned the people whom you were called to protect, to provide for, and to guide. But there's something else that happens in that prophetic word. While the leaders are castigated, 
God speaks a comforting word to the faithful, to the remnant. Um, have a look with me and notice what he says. Over, well, I'll read it for you. You don't have to jump back, but maybe look at it later on. It says this, verse 11 of chapter 34 of Ezekiel. For thus says the Lord God, I, I myself will search for my sheep. I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from. I will feed them. Verse 14, I will feed them with good pasture. Over and over again, God says, I am going to step into this situation. My people who have been neglected, my people who have been abused by you, I myself will step into this situation and I will rescue them. I will feed them. And so here we come to John chapter 10. Jesus speaking to the religious leaders. And what does he say to them? Verse 10. I came that they may have life. Verse 14. I know my own. Verse 15. I lay down my life. Verse 16. I have other sheep than a lot of this fold. I must bring them also. Verse 18, I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. Jesus is saying here is that he is carrying out God's great promise to be the good shepherd for his people. When Jesus says there, and this is the key verse, he says, I am the good shepherd. That word good there is not just about his abilities, but it's speaking here of his character. He is one who is virtuous, who is morally good, who is beautiful in the way that he is towards his people. Those who have been burned by leaders who have abused and abandoned them. And he is that, he is the good sheep, because he is the one who lays down his life. Verse 13, uh, verse, uh, you see there, verse 13, it talks about he flees, he leaves the hired hand. When danger comes, when the wolves come in to attack the flock. But Jesus says that he does not run away. He stands with his people and he puts himself in front of their danger. He dies for his people. Or it speaks of there, I, uh, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his people. He's saying, I lay down my life instead of my people. Jesus is the good shepherd who is also the lamb who lays down his life so that his people might be redeemed and restored. And so Jesus here is speaking to the religious elites, but this is words of comfort to the blind man who is hearing this, the man who has been healed and is now a follower of Jesus. These are words for his disciples and for others who have been burned by the actions of religious leaders. And that is still a word for us here today. 
sadly, it doesn't feel like there is a week that goes by where there isn't another story of cover-up of abuse in churches. In the last few weeks, it's been revealed in France that over 200,000 people over eight decades were abused by priests in the Roman Catholic Church. I grew up in the Republic of Ireland. And year after year, the scandals just grew and amplified as the sin and deception was brought to light. People who were put into positions to shepherd God's people had abused that position. And let me read this to you. This is from a guy called Russell Moore, who is uh, an American. So he's rising into another context, but I think his words are apt for this. He says this, the evidence is mounting that a significant amount of secularization or maybe people leaving the church is accelerated and driven not by secular culture, but by evangelicalism itself or by the church itself. We see young Christians walking away, not because they do not believe what the church teaches, and this is the key point, but because they believe that the church itself does not believe what it teaches. The church is meant to be concerned for righteousness and holiness, for justice, grace, mercy, for a warm welcome to those who are hurt by the world. Yet for many, the church has been a place where they have felt more harm than they ever did outside of its walls. And Jesus is speaking this word of comfort to those people. That might be some of you here today. And I hope you hear this and I hope you see the Jesus who lays down his life for you. For those who have been abused and abandoned. Jesus says earlier in this gospel, he says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. That is a truth that is as precious as a diamond and as harder to break than a diamond itself. Anyone who comes to Jesus, he will never cast out. If we are fearful that our sin is too great for him, then his grace and his love is larger. But if we are those who have been hurt, Jesus says, I will not hurt you. I will never cast you out. Jesus later goes on to say that anyone who is in his hands, they can never be snatched away because God the Father has put them into his hand. And this is the promise for all those who have been burned and hurt that Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life and who holds and cares for his own people. And Jesus calls out to those people. And that's our second point this morning. And again, we'll say it in the sentence. The big point is, hear the shepherd 
who calls back his scattered sheep. Hear the shepherd who calls back his scattered sheep. Now, I don't know about you, but reading these, the church Christians being called sheep, when I was growing up, being called a sheep was certainly not a term of endearment. When I was in school, to be called a sheep was you were part of that kind of indecipherable mass who just follows the trends of the day. Uh, normally, the people who called you sheep, trying to call you away from other things, are actually telling you you should act like them instead, dress like them, act like them, speak like them. But here, when Jesus talks about them being sheep, he is talking about being the shepherd who knows them intimately. And have a look at me at verse 14. Again, Jesus repeats that description, that title for himself. I am the good shepherd. And he says this, I know my own and my own know me. Now, when Jesus talks about knowing here, it's not a kind of a a cerebral, it's not a factual knowledge, but it's relational. It's intimate. Uh, It's the difference between two phone calls. The phone call you get from a telemarketer saying, uh, hello, Kieran, is this Kieran? I'd love to talk to you about whatever the product is I want to sell you. Or the phone calls that I used to get at home from my granddad's, where I'd pick up the phone and I'd hear, hello, in his deep cork accent. And straight away, I knew that he was my grandfather, that we were related to one another, that he was one who loved me and cared about me, who was interested in me. That's what Jesus says when he says he knows his sheep. And here he's saying that we can know him in that same way. Jesus, the shepherd, knows us all, intimately, individually. Uh, There's a wonderful book on the 23rd Psalm called The Lord Our Shepherd by a guy called Douglas McMillan. Maybe some of you might know us. He was a free church minister, uh, served down in Edinburgh. But before that, he was a shepherd. And he talks about how one of his friends had sold a group of lambs to someone else. A few weeks later, he was at a market. And there was this large pen of about three, 4,000 different lambs. But as he was saying to Douglas, he said, oh yeah, I could see those three. And Douglas said, I didn't need to ask him how he knew them. He said, as a shepherd, I understood The shepherd is the one who births these sheep, who finds them when they are lost. He knows that sheep actually have different color eyes, who've got different characters, are not part of an indecipherable mass, but are all different. And Jesus is the one who knows his people, and they can know him. And he actually goes even further, talking about the depth of, of the knowledge between them. Have a look at verse 15. He says this, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus says here that the level and the magnitude of the relationship between he and the sheep and we with him 
is the same as that between the Father and the Son. Think of the depth and the enormity of, of what he is saying. The Father and the Son, who for all eternity have known each other in love and in joy, that is the relationship that God's people have with Jesus. And that is why that deep relationship of love and joy and happiness and care is the reason why Jesus would lay down his life for us. Not because we have done anything to merit it, but because of his great love for us. And so Jesus is seeking out his sheep. As we've said, they've been abused and abandoned and they have been scattered. And now Jesus is going out to find them. Have a look where he goes then in verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. You see, where we are, the, the Pharisees, the religious elite of his day, they have tried to make the flock small. And just those who are from a specific ethnic group, who follow ordinances and commands exactly as they tell them to. But the flock that Jesus speaks of will be different. That flock will have Jewish and Greek sheep. Black sheep and white sheep, Roman sheep and Egyptian sheep, Asian sheep and Polynesian sheep, Spanish sheep and Portuguese sheep, speech from the north and the south of Ireland, sheep from Glasgow and sheep from Edinburgh, sheep that support Dundee and sheep that support United, sheep from Carnoustie and sheep from Kirkcaldy, Presbyterian sheep and Baptist sheep, sheep that like smells and bells and sheep that like plain windows, sheep that have PhDs and sheep that are, that are, that are illiterate. It does not matter. Jesus is building a greater and bigger flock than we can ever imagine. People from every background, people with histories in all kinds of different places. Jesus is calling out to those sheep, and there will be one flock and with one shepherd. Jesus, the shepherd who knows them intimately and lays down his life for his people. Each of these sheep, despite their differences, it's what they have in common that draws us together. Each of us who are part of the flock of Jesus Christ, who are part of his church, are those who have heard the call of the shepherds. They will heard the voice of him who knows them and owns them and who has bought them with his own blood. They'll have been enchanted by the promise of abundant life, captivated by the promise of safety and security. They will be sheep who look to Jesus as their shepherd and say, I will follow him when he calls me. I will follow him where he leads me. I will follow him because I know that he is good and that he is for me and he is for his people. And so maybe the question then that we want to ask is, have you heard and responded to the call of Jesus? Have you heard his call into life? Have you heard his call into service, 
His call into joy and peace and the call and the call into restoration of relationship with God the Father. Have you heard his call that we might join him in his work where we are? In whatever that might look like. The call to follow him and to participate in reaching out to those people who have been scattered. For you see, Jesus calls to his people through his gospel. It is through the gospel, the announcement that Jesus died for our sins and is risen and ruling and reigning and will return to bring a new heavens and a new earth. That great gospel God calls out to the world with the invitation to come to Jesus, the good shepherd. Jesus, the good shepherd who offers life. Have a look at the way that this passage begins and ends, the one that we read this morning. Verse 10, Jesus says, the second sentence, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then have a look at verse 17. Uh, 17 and 18. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. You see, Jesus can give life, abundant life, eternal life, because he is the one who is risen. And all those who believe in him, who follow him, are joined to him in this newness of life now and the eternal life that is for all of God's flock, for all of his people. This is the good news for the world. This is the good news for those who have been burned and bruised, who are aching, who are carrying scars and wounds. That Jesus, the one who lays down his life, has taken it up again, is risen, is at the right hand of the Father, and is giving life to his people. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus, the one whom you sent the one who came down into the darkness and the dirtiness of this world, the one who sought us out in our pain, who knows us, who knows our loves and our hurts, who knows the deepest, the most intimate places of our hearts, and the one who calls us by name, Thank you for him who laid down his life and has taken it up again and has given us all the promise of eternal life. We mourn for the way that those who carry your name and who act so contrary to us have caused such damage across this world through your church. We pray for a time of justice and we look forward to when sin is dealt with. but we are also deeply thankful for your grace 
and your loving kindness, which is from everlasting to everlasting. Comfort your people, we pray, and help us to continue to follow the voice of Jesus, our good shepherd. Amen. Amen.